0: You can't miss Canty and Carlin, pound for pound, the biggest show on ESPN Radio.
1: You're damn sure ain't gonna be fuchsia after that last night. <laughs> I gotta burn that suit. Hell yeah, Taylor Hertzie ain't gonna be wearing that no time. No, so. no, 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 Canty no, no, no. and Carlin, oh, ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance at 888-729-3776, 888-SAY-ESPN. That is the Dr. Pepper call-in number. Canty,
2: what up? What up, though? i tell you. We ain't got to worry about the undefeated season no more, do we? No, we don't. No, yeah, we do not. The 72 Dolphins, go ahead and pop that champagne. Oh, God. Where's Mercury Morris when you
1: need him, baby? I, I saw this all over Twitter this morning. It is one of the most aggravating annual stories that there is, yeah. that the 72 Dolphins, after the last undefeated team loses
2: they're all popping champagne good for you carlin have you ever played on an undefeated team no me neither but i gotta imagine that i would be petty enough and obnoxious enough that if i were on the only undefeated team in the history of the nfl I would do the same damn thing. Well, they've certainly got it covered, that's for sure. Yes. They're, they're as petty as can be yes. about it. Yeah, and Can't, the uh, Washington Commanders offensive line had the defensive line for the Eagles covered. Yeah, they did.
1: they did. They did. I mean, when you run the ball 49 times, you know. <laughs> Think about that, for, for, 49 they times. They the
2: ball 50 times. 40. 50, 50 times. Listen, when it's at 49, you can go ahead and round up. Yeah. They ran the ball 50 times. And this game didn't go into overtime. Yep. They ran the ball Fifty times, Carlin. Yeah. How, do you, how do you let that happen? Well, if you're the Eagles, how do you let? That's was I know even that more astounding I, to I, me. It's it, they
1: didn't. They didn't like them. They didn't run fifty times for two fifty. No, they ran fifty times for one fifty. Yeah. But just the the pure effort that that takes to deal with and give the ball for forty minutes.
2: Well, Carlin, forty. They had the ball four times as long as the Eagles did in the first half. Time of possession in the first half of that game. 24 minutes to 6 minutes. By the time you get into the second half, the defense is gassed. The commanders doubled up on plays they ran on offense. They ran 81 plays to the Eagles' 47. I mean, at that point, Carlin, you understand why the front seven can't stop the run. Those guys are tired of being out there on the field. And losing the turnover battle doesn't help things. It only right. exacerbates the issues.
1: Well, let's talk about that for a second, okay? That's why they lost the game. I, I know that they ran the football as they did. The Eagles <laughs> the Eagles last night turned it over as many times as they had in the previous eight games combined. That is an aberration.
2: But but let me but say... That is an aberration. No, you're right. That that's an outlier, but let's give the commanders credit because I think when we say they lost because of turnovers, that's being dismissive of the game and that Ron Rivera and company came into that stadium with, which was a masterful game plan. They said, we're going to run the football. We're going to take pressure off of Taylor Heineke. We're not going to ask him to go out there and win us the game. We just don't want him to lose us the game. But after the first possession, you were scratching your head and wondering, could that offensive line hold up against that defensive front? Remember how everything went down. It was a three and out. The commanders were forced to punt, running into the kicker, ends up being a 15-yard penalty in the first down. Then Josh Sweat gets a strip sack after beating Charles Leno around the edge, sets up the Eagles' first points. I thought that first sequence was what we were in store for the entire night. I agree. That that commander's offensive line had something different in mind because I was showing you the tape before we started the show. They were pushing Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox around like nobody's business. And I'm not just talking about zone blocking schemes and and trying to cut guys out of gaps. Carlin, they were double-teaming dudes and moving them off the rock. And, I mean, there was one instance down in the red zone where they had Fletcher Cox back there with the safeties. And you're not used to seeing Fletcher Cox, a team captain for the Eagles, be pushed around like that. But that's what happened in last night's game, and it just highlights the absence of Jordan Davis. Yeah. They need that guy in their front seven, especially when you start talking about the type of gap-blocking schemes that the commanders were using with their run game. Those double teams, yeah, they ain't as effective when you got a 360-pound man in the middle of your defense. You're talking about one guy that can take up two. But to me their ability to stay with the run game, even though they weren't getting a ton of mileage out of it, was the difference in dictating the terms in which that game would be played, and that's how you have an Eagles offense that was out of sync, because they weren't on the field very much, and that's how you have a defense that was gas that couldn't get a stop when they needed to in the fourth quarter. Here's Jalen Hurts on what went wrong. Our lack of,
0: of detail and execution, and
1: today it got us. You know, I think there have been games in the past where Um, you'd hear us say maybe leaving money on the table, um, opportunities that we didn't take advantage of. of, And I look at this game and
0: I say we were repeat offenders of that, and today it got
1: us, you know, and it's something we have to learn from. It's just something we really already know. It's just something that we have to fix and ultimately control the things we can in the end when we're out there on the field. Look, I don't know what the deal is with Jordan Davis. When he's coming back, we we saw what the issue is.
2: Yeah. I mean, high ankle sprain for a guy that's 350, 360 pounds, it, it, it's going to take a minute.
1: Yeah, it's going to take a minute. Yeah. And,
2: and But I'm still not
1: of the impression that somehow the Eagles just handed away all the keys to how to beat them. Now, I don't think, I can't look at this, and it's not four turnovers, it's three. I'm not counting the last one. Okay? Yeah. Three
2: of those turnovers turn into 10 points.
1: Yeah. It's a difference in the game.
2: It's a difference in the game. Yeah, and one of those turnovers should have never been called because you have the face mask on Dallas Goddard that led to points for the Commanders. Now it ended up being a field goal, and it's fair to question whether or not Nick Sariani should have taken the ineligible man down field penalty on that screenplay. Yeah. Um, he probably should have taken that penalty because it pushes them five yards back, and you make Joey Sly kick a 60-yard field goal as opposed to a 55-yard field goal especially after the guy nailed a 58-yarder in the first half. But, I mean, that play, Carlin, should absolutely be reviewable. When you have the opportunity to go look at a play and determine whether or not it's a fumble, if there is a blatant personal foul that takes place on that play, i.e. the face mask on Dallas Goddard, that ultimately led to him being shelved for that game and potentially missing multiple games now with a shoulder injury, you should absolutely be able to go and overturn that turnover. You should. You should. And for that matter, while we're on the subject of re- replay, review, and all of those things, the last play of that game, with uh, uh, where the commanders had the ball with Brandon Graham in the roughing the passer call, I-, I just, Carlin, something about it doesn't sit right with me to the letter of the law. It's the right call by the officials. Chris, but something has to be done with that. Uh, I- I- to have a game in that way, I just, it doesn't sit right with me. Okay, but that's not why they lost the game. It's not why they lost the game. It's not why they lost the game, but it kept the Eagles from getting another crack at it. And who knows what happens if Jalen Hurts gets the ball back in his hands? I, I, I. I mean, the series before that, you're talking about him with the 51 yard bomb, right? Yes, I have. But, but, Chris Watkins,
1: hold on to the football. Understand where you are in the situation and what's going on. And I get it. You're getting back up. You're trying to make a play. But what is the first thing? It's ball security. That 100% on Quest, but on the Brandon Graham thing, I'm not even going to get after Brandon Graham here, okay? It was one of those plays that he never makes. He's as smart a player as there is in the league. And it just got away from him for the moment. But I'm sorry. When the quarterback takes a knee, and you got two and three steps more between Graham and, and who was the other one? Was it Sweat? I think it was Sweat. Or, or no, uh, I think it was Sweat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Canty. I mean, I don't, I don't see how you can uh, see the guy take a knee. I know your momentum's going forward, but I feel like you could have done something to avoid any contact in it that was, spot. It was Hassan Reddick. It was Hassan Reddick? Okay. Hassan
2: Reddick, to be clear.
1: And, and I, I do... I, I'm curious as, th- as to if this was part of it. Hmm. To be fair, Bart brought this up on the show earlier. Hmm. Is it because the closest guy to whoever... Uh, to Heineke at that point gets credit for a sack? Yeah, that's a part of it. Yeah, that's I mean, a part of
2: it. That's so the conversation. Yeah, that's and, a part
1: of it. So that, to me, is why... You have to be super careful. You when it comes to quarterbacks, we all have to just make the assumption. If you're the defensive player, you're not going to get
2: the call. No. You're not going to get the call. That's all there is to it. No, but here's the other part to that, though, Carlin. It wasn't forcible contact. and no, I, heard, I don't like Brandon Graham was trying to I heard assignment. the Alex Kemp's answer to the pool of reporters that talked to him about the officiating <laughs> in last night's game. He said it was forcible contact to the head or neck area. I'm sorry. I didn't see that. No, to I me, know, it I. looked like Taylor Heineke flopped when he realized that Brandon Graham was coming in hot. Okay. And he took full advantage of the situation, which, again, is why I'm suggesting that any personal fouls or any call that you think – could be a personal foul should be something that's reviewable but but if they reviewed that they wouldn't have overturned it well here's the thing they I'm, would have overturned the, the, and, the and fumble that, and that's fair but i think there has to be more nuance when it comes to that roughing the pass oh, completely fair similar to what we see with roughing the kicker or roughing the punter there's the five yard variety that doesn't give you an automatic first down it's running into the kicker or punter and then there's the personal foul roughing the kicker or punter which is 15 yards in a first down I think there's nuance when it comes to contact to the quarterbacks. How many times do we see defensive linemen buzzing the tower and you know inadvertently grazing their hands on the face mask or the helmet of the quarterback? It's not forcible contact to their head or neck area, but by the letter of the law, the official has to call it because there is no nuance in the rule. All I'm simply saying is this. The competition committee should look at that because there's no way that the ball game last night should have ended on that call. Listen, I get it. But that call's going to be made. It's no, going to be made. Right, right now, based on how the rules are, what I'm saying is, in the offseason, we should change the damn rules. And, and I also would say that there was probably a strong level of surprise of seeing
1: a quarterback just out of nowhere take a knee. Because yeah, that, th- I, that, I, that I doesn't happen. quarterbacks do that? Nobody it does that. It doesn't happen. Nobody does that. It doesn't happen at all. And I think that that was part of it, too, unfortunately for... The Eagles at that point. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Be a part of Canty and Carlin Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us at 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. ESPN ESPN Nation. Presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season. Without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Canty, this is, while I don't believe that it is a major, major issue in the NFC East, and anything has been changed. If you want to say you gave life to a couple of teams to try to win the division, that's fine. I guess strictly by definition, one in the Giants being a game out and one in the Cowboys being two games out, Mm -hmm. you did. I don't for one second believe that either of these teams is going to now overtake the Eagles. I am not going to let what happened last night change my view of the Philadelphia Eagles and what they are in this league.
2: Well, the Eagles can't stop the run, Carlin. Now, I don't know when Jordan Davis is scheduled to be get, be back, but you got two dates with division opponents um, on the road with the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys, not to mention your regular season finale against the Giants at home. Um, So those are both teams that have the ability to run the football. You got a date with the Green Bay Packers in two weeks. You got a date with the Tennessee Titans in three weeks. So again, if you're not going to be able to stop the run, then all of a sudden that vulnerability could be something that, opponents attack and remember this is a copycat league so teams are going to put on the tape from yesterday's game and they're going to see what the washington commanders did in terms of the x's and o's but also the attitude that that run game that offensive line and those running backs approached the eagles with and they're going to try to duplicate that same thing okay and so- i'm not saying i'm not saying that teams have the personnel to do it but what i am saying is if you're a running outfit you are going to look at what the commanders did and you are trying to go out there and do the same exact thing to the Philadelphia Eagles and make them prove to you that they can stop it. Okay, but are we now turning around and saying that the Eagles
1: are now in the category of the Buffalo Bills because they can't stop the run?
2: Are, not, are they I, no, right no, no, there? No, 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 I'm not going to say the Eagles are in the category of the Bills because the Eagles still have the ability to run the football. They, they do have the, the yeah, ability, that still, ability. They still can run the ball. But
1: in, in your mind, because of where it is right now, this has taken a major drop-off?
2: With the um, Philadelphia Eagles going into last night's game, I thought the Philadelphia Eagles were the best team in the NFL, and by far the best team in the NFC. Right now, I don't think they're the best team in the conference. No, I don't. I think that belongs to the Minnesota Vikings. But hang on a second, though. If if we're gonna go by that, how do we say that
1: about the Minnesota Vikings when the Vikings are twenty sixth in defense this year? Mm-hmm. Like they're 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 not on that same level as the Eagles, even though the Eagles have stu- uh, struggled stopping the run.
2: Like, but I'm, yeah, but they're, yeah, they're I, not bottom of the league in stopping the run. They're middle of the pack. Well, I, I'm I'm looking at the consistency, Carlin. I mean, listen, this is the second week in a row when we've seen the Eagles come out there with less than their A game. Now, I don't know if it was the pressure of the undefeated season mounting on them, and you heard A.J. Brown kind of allude to it. Um, Nick Sirianni mentioned it in his postgame remarks, but they weren't great on the road in Houston on Thursday night football. Okay, no shame. It's a short week. But you had an extra weekend to prepare for a monday night game you had four extra days of preparation okay you had friday saturday sunday then you had the extra day because you played on monday night than you would on a normal game week and you go out there and do that against the commanders you go out there and do that and here's the thing there was no reason to be flat against the team like the commanders because with taylor heineke as the starter you're talking about this team being three and one they had come into that winning three of their last four games And it was a close game with Minnesota last uh, two weeks ago. So I I just don't understand how the Eagles could be flat emotionally, how they could not be ready, prepared mentally, or or out physical the way they were by the commanders. And all of those questions – that came up as a result of the way they lost last night is what leads me to believe that they could be more vulnerable than we expect them to.
1: Well, what did Jay Gruden say with us yesterday? They have to go in and out-physical them, and they did that. And I, I'm i skeptical so of that. So why can't the Giants do that?
2: The Giants are a better team than the Commanders. The Cowboys are a better team than the Commanders. Mm-hmm. The they- Tennessee Titans are a better team than the Commanders. Mm-hmm. Why can't those teams do the same thing that we saw the Commanders do last night? I'm not saying they can't. What I'm saying is it's on the Eagles to fix this pretty quickly
1: to find a way to fix it, and yes, they had extra well, they time. they fixed it in two weeks. I
2: understand. God, we saw Damian Pierce do the same damn thing two weeks ago.
1: I understand. It's got to it's gotta get fixed, and I can't toss away what I've seen in the first nine weeks based off of last night. Is it a vulnerability? I can't argue that. It's a vulnerability for this football team, but they are too good of a football team to where before last night, None of us were talking about the Eagles having trouble stopping a run.
2: None no. of us were. No, that's fair. I mean, it, it came fair. up no, last night the thing. because we it was did, so blatant. Well, we didn't talk about it, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't happening. Now, I mentioned it last week with the Texans game. Yeah, I said that because I thought Damian Pierce had a day. I think the Texans ran for a buck sixty-eight. The week before that, Carlton they played the Steelers, and even though that was a blowout game, Steelers ran for a buck forty-four. Before their bye week, the Cowboys ran for one thirty-four. The game before that. The Cardinals ran for 124. This is an issue. Uh It's a pattern. And until you fix it, teams are going to continue to exploit it, which is why I think the Cowboys and the Giants are both in play to try to win this division. Now, the Cowboys got their own issues, but when it comes to the New York Giants, this is a team that's been steady in the kind of football that they play. And guess who the MVP of that team is through the first 10 weeks of the season? It's their running back, Saquon Barkley. So. They're going to have to stop a heavy dose of that. Oh, by the way, I was at the game that Saquon Barkley played against the Texans. All he did was rush for 152 yards. That's mm-hmm. all he did. So, I mean, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, if you're Nick Sirianni, if you're their defensive coordinator, you guys have got to huddle up and figure out how you can stop the run with Jordan Davis out of the lineup because it's clear Look. that is going to be an issue and that could potentially cost you the division, Carl. Well,
1: here's the other thing, okay? Jonathan Gannon, he's got to figure it out. Yep. But it's not just Jordan Davis being out, it's Fletcher Cox being done. Fletcher Cox is getting pushed around. I mean, and let's call it what it was. Fletcher Cox has has been a dominant player in this league for a long, long time. Yeah. But I think we have reached that point here, and we are seeing that for as much as we talked about the depth of their defensive line earlier in the year, maybe, maybe, Chris, maybe it's just you can't rely on Fletcher Cox to... Play the yeah, same amount as play. before. He's playing
2: too many plays. He's playing a lot of plays he's right now because of plays. this. Yeah. So this depth
1: on the defensive line is not what it needed to be. I don't know how many snaps you, you have it. How many snaps he played the other night? Uh, played last night. I don't. I don't have it in front of me. Okay. Um, but if you're going to, he's he's a situational guy, or not even situational. He's a limited guy in terms of we can't give him more than X number of snaps on yeah. the field. And yes, they feel that with Jordan Davis right now.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I, mean, I can't remember
1: seeing Fletcher Cox pushed around like he was last night. I, I I'm sure he I has been. But. I
2: don't either, Carlin. Which is the scary part about what the Eagles are dealing with, man? Because if you can't, if, if Fletcher Cox in that front is going to get it pushed around the way we saw last night, you, you're going to have a tough you're going to have a tough go at it, Carlin. Last night, Fletcher Cox played 68 snaps. Carlin, Fletcher Cox, You can't need, play six. You don't times. need to be. Carlin, Fletcher Cox playing 34 snaps is about what you should expect. Yeah. 68 snaps? Yeah. Yeah. As a defensive tackle? And Fletcher Cox ain't no little man. No. He no. ain't no little man. He's but he 66, was gassed He's 30 pounds. He's going to be gassed. Yep. And, Carlin, Fletcher Cox is in his age... 30, <laughs> he's in his age 36? 32, 32 seasons. 32? Probably. Jesus. He's younger than I thought. He's in his age 32 season. Why are we asking Fletcher Cox to play 68 snaps? Because Jordan Davis isn't on the field. That's That's why. Well, that's your problem.
1: Canty and Carl and ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That is your call in line, your Dr. Pepper call in line to join us on the show. Oh, we've got some power rankings. Who's number one? You're going to find that out in just a little bit. We are just getting the ball Rolling, friends. Up next, why a familiar face may once again take advantage of Jalen Hurts' slip-up. We'll tell you about that after we tell you about this from Indeed. Now, if you need to hire... You need a partner by your side every step of the way. Indeed's end-to-end hiring solution makes it easy to attract, interview, and hire candidates all from one place. The moment you sponsor a job post, you'll get instantly matched with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. And you can then conveniently schedule and conduct virtual interviews right from Indeed's hiring platform. Start today. Get $75 in credit toward your first sponsored job visit indeed.com slash credit terms and conditions apply passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits
0: Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canton
1: and Carlin. If we had done the top five right now, as opposed to earlier, my top five would have included Jalen Hurts' Soup for Tonight. My friends, check out this suit. And if you don't bet on the Philadelphia Eagles tonight, you don't know what the hell you're doing.
2: Aired out, downfield, and uh, intercepted. I love the suit, Colin, and I love your caption about the suit. Eagles by a million. Hurts underneath, and now the laterals. And instead, it's going to be
0: picked up for a touchdown on that lateral by Casey Tuhill.
1: And the Commanders have won this game. Well, that's why in the parlay, we took the over.
3: <laughs> of
1: course, <laughs> least, we didn't hit the parlay. That, at
2: least that part of it hit. <laughs> oh, my God. Pretty much nothing else did. Uh, Jalen Hurts is not throwing the ball anywhere. Well, he couldn't throw the ball. He was only on the field for 47 plays, Carlin.
1: I, I know, but, you know, you're down. Chuck it a little more. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> uh, listen, I, I don't know how you can see the man wearing that suit. Wearing that gorgeous, fuchsia suit. And not immediately want to lay the points. I don't know how you can do that. I don't. Canty and Carl on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app were presented by Progressive Insurance. See, Jeff, Jeff Darlington joins us right now. NFL reporter for ESPN. I'm just going to ask you because you're a well-dressed man. You're a handsome fella. Could I pull that suit off? Ah. Oh.
3: Man, I love you. I just, I'm trying to think of the best way to say no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's like your comment that's about Jeff Saturday last week, where you could say, God, great for Jeff. This is really a bad idea.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Great guy. Uh, it's always, you know, when I when have the pause there, like I knew the answer, it's just a matter of how I want to express it.
1: So you yeah, have the answer. now. It's disappointing. But yeah. I understand. Not
2: I, as disappointing yeah. as the Eagles last night. No,
1: that was that was something. Jeff, yeah, what did you make one, of it? Did, was there something that was really exposed about the Eagles, or was this more of an aberration when it comes to the turnovers?
3: Well, I, I mean, I think it's an, well, it is an aberration, just from the standpoint that, you know, they have, what, three turnovers through the first eight games and then four in their ninth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, yes, it is an aberration, but it is, It's still – I mean, I I get the idea that it's one loss and it's not the end of the world, of course. But it is a big deal in the NFC, especially when, you know, this is when things start to tighten up, when you're trying to get that number one seed, which is so important. And, you know, I think that we all, just because they were undefeated, you just – you forget that one loss, and all of a sudden they're tied with the Vikings. And, really, the Giants are now just one game out of the division. So uh, it is a big deal, and it is against a team, by the way, that they beat by 16 points earlier this season and a team that was playing with its backup quarterback. So, yes, the Eagles can absolutely just kind of go back into the office and say it's one loss, but that does absolutely kind of, I think, expose them to other teams saying, hey, we are right there in this. We can not only win the division if you're the Giants, but we can get the one seat if you're the Vikings. So to me, it is a big deal.
2: Jeff, another big deal is Taylor Heineke and what he's done since he stepped in as the starting quarterback with Carson Wentz being out due to the injuries. Three and one um, in, in his starts for the commanders. Now, Wentz is expected to be back from injury this week, which means it's an interesting decision that Ron Rivera has to make at the quarterback spot. What have you heard about what direction this organization might be leaning about who the guy is under center moving forward?
3: You know, I haven't heard anything t- today, for instance, which I think today is, is the big moment when all of a sudden you have Heineke coming off of that game and does not make the decision, uh, I guess, easy, although I see it as a pretty easy decision myself. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think you've got to ride the hot hand when you know what you were getting out of Carson Wentz. It was nothing different than we saw in Indianapolis, nor was it very different than what we saw at the end of his Philadelphia reign. I'm not the biggest Carson Wentz guy, <laughs> but I do. <laughs> uh, I think that this is a Washington team that should try to ride that momentum, and and quite honestly, uh, it would surprise me if they didn't.
1: I, I think Dan Orlovsky the last guy on the wagon on the Wentz wagon at this point. I, Can't, yeah, I don't get that. He's
3: yeah, Orlovsky, like he's a same thing guy. with Sam Darnold. Same thing with Sam Darnold. But, yeah, it's the one that really gets me. Surprises me. I don't know. Yeah, hey, it, I know he loves to watch that tape, but <laughs> know,
2: it's, it, it's as know, questionable as his food to. takes, Jeff. That's what it is. It's it's as questionable Good. as Dan Orlovsky's food takes are.
1: And that yeah. is really you know, saying right something. That is really saying yeah. something. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. All right, has Tua become a legitimate yeah. MVP candidate?
3: Yeah, I mean he should be. And there's one that uh me and Orlovsky absolutely agree on. He's he's high on Tua and I think that um there there is no reason that Tua Tungavailoa should not be right at the top of the conversation. Yes, I am actually a big believer in Patrick Mahomes and think that Mahomes suffers from the same syndrome that uh that we do, that, you know, whether it's Michael Jordan or LeBron James where you look to give it to somebody other than Mahomes. But let's talk about Tua because The thing about him that I think that would surprise most people is that everybody's probably thinking of him as the point guard, which I am guilty of this as well. Just distributing the ball, getting the ball in the hands of Tyreek Hill, and letting him do the work, letting Jalen Waddell do the work. But the most surprising thing about Tua's numbers is that he leads the NFL with 9.2 yards per passing attempt. So this is not a situation where it's just, you know, dink and dunk. Uh, Tua is taking shots, and he's threading it in there. I I think Mike McDaniel also should be in the conversation for coach of the year for creating the type of separation that the receivers are getting, for developing Tua in a way that Brian Flores failed to do. Um, But I don't want that to also take away from what Tua is doing because I think both guys are deserving of enormous credit. And by the way,
2: so too is Tyree Gill. And I was going to ask you that question, Jeff, because when it comes to giving out the kudos for what the Dolphins' offense has turned into, who's more responsible for the success on the field from a player standpoint? Is it Tua or is it Tyreek Hill? So I, I, I saw that. It was funny. I, was, I
3: saw that same question pop up as a headline on one of our, sh- I think, first take or something like that. And I was like, I, you know, this is one of those rare instances where I know it sounds cheesy and cliche, but I just don't think that you need the answer. Mm. I, the, they are just working so synergetically, like, especially with what mike mcdaniel is drawing up for them i just think that we're seeing um a perfect coach for the quarterback and a perfect receiver for the quarterback and that does not mean that you should take away from what Tua is doing to me i just think that we're seeing a really good formula and a really good combination so i i, I know it's a
2: like, I'm not answering the question. I just mm-hmm. don't know that we need the answer. Talking with, ESP, talking with ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Darlington on Canteen Carlin. And, Jeff, this is the last one for me. It's two in a row for the Bucks. They're going into their bye week. I, I guess it's a fait accompli that they're going to win the NFC South. But just exactly what is the ceiling for the Tampa Bay Bucks this year?
3: So, to me, they're not there yet. I, I understand that all of a sudden you see them rip off two in a row, and, it's you know, it feels like Tom is headed toward winning the division – um, and, yes, that's very possible. But they still have to be a much better team if they're going to make a run in the playoffs. They have time to figure it out and get there. But what we were still seeing from the offense, uh, you know, less so this game, but but more so the previous um, win, I just think that we saw a team that still needs to figure it out when it comes to the play calling. It just still feels off, the lack of creativity in the run game. Um, I know Byron Leftwich has heard the noise and the criticism. And I've talked to people internally that also feel like it's not just outside. The the noise is inside, too. They feel like his play calling isn't quite what it needs to be, especially when it comes to the running game. Uh, Again, they have time to figure it out. But right now, if the season were to end, I would think that the Bucs were very vulnerable to uh, a, a week one loss in the playoffs. They still have a lot to figure out before they can make a run.
1: Jeff awesome stuff and I don't know if we said it last week the Mike McDarlington costume for Halloween <laughs> was top notch. You really did an amazing job there.
3: We we went all in there, you know, we got yeah. we went all in.
1: Really well done. Really well done. I
3: appreciate done. that. Thank you very much. I, Jeff, it was, I couldn't really go as Andy Reid, you know? Like, I had to pick the spot.
1: <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Jeff. I called the game in Kansas City this weekend. I would not have had a problem going as Andy Reid. <laughs> <laughs> stay out of the suit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. And, by the way, there are, It. I counted, at least 10 on the walk-in from the parking lot to the stadium. Yeah. Andy Reid lookalikes wearing the headset yeah. going into the stadium.
2: Well, those are your people out there in Kansas City. You <laughs> clearly. Said <it>. Yeah.
1: Clearly. <laughs> I never felt like I fit in anywhere better than my life. <laughs> Cantia Carlin, ESPN radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Why is it time for everyone to R E E R E L A E X, whatever it is? Relax according to our good friend Aaron Rodgers. That's next. I'm going to learn how to read during the break. Cantia Carlin, ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about
0: the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured... It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify?
2: Canty and Carlin. Yeah, we're ready. Canty and Carlin. Of course we're ready. I mean, we're on the air. We have to be ready, right? <laughs> yeah. We're just having a little off-air chatter about Saquon Barkley contract talks. Yeah, they have apparently, they picked up
1: during the bye week. Yeah. And they tabled them again for now with the Giants and what's actually workable. And 14 a year seems about right.
2: Yeah. Uh, for
1: three years. I, I don't know that I would ever go much beyond that. Yeah, In, in terms of the dollar
2: figure or the amount of years? Or both? Both. Okay. Both. Now, right. I wouldn't go much further than that.
1: Canty and Carl in ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, hey, it's Tuesday. And that means Aaron Rodgers is on the Pat McAfee show. And that means he's going to say something. Let's listen to both cuts. This is him on, uh, let's see, ending the losing streak. We needed one for sure. It's been a long, long time. It was a long six weeks for a lot of us. It feels good to win. It's a long six weeks for the boys. Long six weeks. Here he is on yelling at Matt Lafleur on the sideline. And then, yeah,
0: I was pissed about the calls. I answered
3: honestly. I mean, he was pissed about them too. So he actually followed me after my press conference, and uh, he had been watching my my. So he had seen what I'd said, and he made a he made a little barb as I was walking out of the that green room uh, about it. We had a couple of laughs and then I told him how much uh, it meant to be a conversation from Friday and uh, we hugged it out and that was that.
1: Yeah. No, I made sure to take a shot at him. And then I joked around with him as I walked off to make sure we were okay. I, stop.
2: Well, here's the thing. I don't have a problem with, Aaron Rodgers having an issue with the call that Matt LaFleur went with on that third down. Like, I, I get it. Like, you want to find a way to be able to put the game away and not have it be a situation where you give the other team a chance. But I he, But he that.
1: said but when he was asked, like, which call do you have a problem with or did you have an issue with, he's pretty much every one of them because our, our, because our timing is not good in getting the play in. And I understand being mm-hmm. frustrated by that. Mm-hmm. Again, this is something with Rodgers that is every week. Of pointing the finger at somebody for
2: something about something that's going on. Well, he's been pointing the finger at Matt Lafleur for several weeks, though, right? Yeah, I mean, but simplifying t- things down to simplifying things, the guys that should get playing time versus the guys that shouldn't—all of those, like all of them—at every single turn, with every failure that the team takes on, every loss, Aaron Rodgers has been pointing the finger of blame toward Matt Lafleur. Now he might be pointing to other people too, but Matt Lafleur has been a constant, and so this does not come as a surprise to me that Aaron Rodgers would have a little bit of an issue with how LaFleur wanted to call the game. But we were talking about this yesterday in reference to um,
1: somebody else. Who were we talking about that was you know, publicly taken after it? I, point being for me, who is it? Oh, 30 seconds, okay. Uh, that's my bad. Uh, point is for me, I don't understand why this constantly is an issue for where he always has to do it
2: week after week, especially after you just won a game. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Aaron Rodgers is trying to keep this not from just one game, but to actually build some momentum in the second half to see what they're capable of accomplishing. And so it's important that everybody's on the same page, especially the quarterback and coach.
0: Canty and Carlin, weekdays at 3 Eastern
2: on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch on the ESPN app.